Hey, this is Eddie. And this is Miguel. And you're listening to the Got Life Culture Podcast. Yes, welcome back. We are at episode two from season two. We're so excited to be back talking to each and every one of you. Yeah. Just last week, we kicked off um, this new season, new episodes that we have coming up. We're super excited to just get into this. And we want to thank all of you for listening. If you're a new listener, if you are catching up, um, we just want to say thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and just um, engaging and interacting with us on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely excited uh, to be back with you guys again. Yesterday, we tried to record and we had some tef- technical difficulties. Yeah. Um, and we spent a long time trying to figure out a way to do it, uh, you know, because our schedules are crazy. Right. Uh, so when we do schedule the time to record, it's like, that's when we need to do it. Uh, but the good thing is, is that, you know, we found what we needed to find. Yeah, it was a cable for those MacBook users. Yeah, You know that um, everything needs, you know, the new it's MacBook Pros new need an adapter for every type of cable. So in order to have certain things connected, um, we needed that adapter and I had left it back at work. <laughs> and yeah. But so, the good thing was you found it. Yeah, it was and there. And we didn't have to pay for a new one. Right. We found it. We're good. We're back. And we're ready to get into uh, today's episode. Yeah. And I mean, a lot since, you know, we've been getting back into this. A lot of things have been happening. Um, yeah. We spoke last week about all the new music that's coming out. And, yeah. you know, just this um, not too long ago, this past week, Israel's album came out, Road yeah. to Damascus. Road to Damascus. And, um, you know, that's out the full project. Um, he was out on the reel. You know, we know his wife is a co-host on The Real. He was yeah. on The Real talking about um, his album and talking about his faith. And I don't know, it's something great. Regardless, you know, if you like the music, if you're a fan of his music, a fan of him, it's always awesome when you, you know, can see someone on that platform, a, a show like yeah. The Real that is on daytime where, you know, it's an award-winning show. So many, you know, viewers are watching in that moment or seeing a replay at some point. And um, anytime God's name is exalted and God is mentioned and, you know, even if it's just one question and the opportunity that someone gets, you know, to just talk about God and their faith. I always love that and find it, you know, amazing that, um, you know, some of these shows allow people like that to just be given a platform to share. And um, he was very vocal about his faith and about, you know, the things that he had been through and um, even performed one of the songs yes. live on the reel with his wife, Adrian. And um, it was just great to, you know, be able to see that and just see his boldness in sharing his faith and all of that on a platform that can be very critical and not so inviting, you know, to faith and God and Jesus, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, at least with the, when it comes to the real, it's not a foreign territory for them to be speaking about God or uh, those that are on the panel that, you know, have uh, that are faith based and they, you know, have a relation with the Lord and all that. Uh, so that was good to see this album um, maybe a little bit different than what he's usually put out. Uh, but one of the songs that I really like from his album is Reckless Love. It's a cover of um, Reckless Love by Corey. Asbury. Asbury, yeah. I didn't want to say it wrong. Uh, but it is a good rendition of it. Uh, right. So, you know. All I, right. So we're going to expose ourselves in full disclosure. We talked about that song already. And the reason why I think you're mentioning Reckless Love is because that's probably the only song we liked. <laughs> so, you but know. But nobody was going to catch but, that. Right. But I just have to say it. So we both listened to it. Yeah. And it was good. We may be harsh critics. I don't know. Like, I feel... I, I'm afraid that everyone else is like, are you kidding me? This yes. was an amazing album. But, you know, musically, it is it is 
great musically i enjoyed yeah. the musicality of it that okay. i have to say i think that his other albums were recorded live in the sense of he always picked a location and recorded live yeah so like yeah. his last album was recorded live in um asia i believe yeah. you know he he's done africa he's done africa yeah. so i think this was a complete studio album and it was recorded in his own home okay so I believe that um, it just has a completely different feel. So if it's the Israel Houghton that you're expecting that's released, I'm a friend of God and, you know, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's not what you're going to be getting here. This is more of a studio recorded um, album. And which you may like and you may right. thoroughly enjoy, which is great. I didn't, you know, it, I don't want us to come off as these crazy, harsh critics that think we know everything that that there right. is to know uh, but we do try our best to be transparent and to be honest and you know it may not we you know once again kind of sort of with the whole christine thing like you you you're your feed your you're fed the hype mm-hmm. it's a new album it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be great which it is um and then certain times you get you have certain expectations and you're looking for a certain type of music or a certain sound or a certain you know vibe um and when you don't get it maybe you know at the moment it hasn't registered we'll listen to it again later right it may and, grow on us and it'll click and it'll be yeah. like yo th- that jam that jam was popping yeah and it'll be good but regardless of it i do still ever i still think reckless love yeah. on that album is awesome i agree so, and so. i i do love the um the promo plan or uh, uh, the plan that they kind of set out and the whole branding of the album of road to damascus spelling it demask us and the yeah. whole idea of taking off the mask i think that was great so he did a really good job on that um he released a video as well um for one of his songs um the song with his wife adrian it's called secrets you can go check out that video as well um yep. but yeah you can go check out that album and let us know what you think um avril lavigne yeah. This is kind of a weird uh, transition there. But <laughs> Avril Lavigne, you know, you may rec- remember her from, I know for me, my earliest memory is her like in a music video or something like singing um, something as blah, 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 blah. It's complicated, yeah, right? Complicated. That's all I know. And um, that was like my memory of her from like years ago. And um, she was a really like a rock singer, right? Yeah, was it like, like rock? Like yeah. she, punk, rock, punk rock, whatever. And um, she is back in the music scene and released um, a single titled Head Above Water. And she released this song and the song has been doing great. And I think it shocked people because of how transparent she is and how it's almost a worship song or is a worship song. Billboard wrote a article on it and that's how they labeled it. After a five year break, Avril Lavigne has released a new single that happens to be a worship song that preaches the message of God saving grace Mm -hmm. so um i think that's awesome i mean when i heard it i got super excited the fact that somebody on her level with the platform she has releases a song like this um it you know was number one on itunes for a long time but one of the things that i really liked about um this song is just the transparency she kind of explains um you know not in the song but just the song is based off of her battle with lyme disease yeah and pretty much an experience where she had to turn to god and you know she quotes she says one night i thought i was dying and i had accepted that i was going to die my mom laid with me in bed and held me i felt like i was drowning Under my breath, I prayed, God, please help to keep my head above the water. And in that moment, the songwriting of this album began. So the idea that, you know, her life experience kind of brought her to this place, you know, her health brought her to this place of rescue and needing God 
to really save her and rescue her. Yeah. And um, I think that's awesome. The fact that she's being so bold about it, that she's being just so transparent and putting this out there, not, you know, caring about, you know, what people are going to say or what mm-hmm. sells. I mean, after five years of not releasing music, someone like her to come out and kind of just, um, you know, uh, be focused on one type of genre, let's say like a worship, you know, Christian gospel category is, could be tough, yeah. you know? Um, but it the song is doing well. She's been performing it on a few shows. And, um, you know, sometimes these situations bring us to a place where, you know, the, where we find ourselves needing God and needing yeah. to be rescued. And this is this was her way of escape. And this was her her um, cry for help, you know, a song and crying out to God to keep her head above the water. Yeah. You know, and I find it interesting. You know, a lot of people um, may feel a certain type of way just from the simple fact that it's an Avril Lavigne song. Like they they won't give it the time of day. They won't, you know, bother to listen to it or they may you know, have negative things to say about it. You know, Avril Lavigne didn't come off and said, you know, I'm now becoming a worship leader and my next couple of albums will all be worship songs. You know, this is a moment in time where she shared something very personal about herself. Uh, it, it shares her relationship with God in that moment. And that's a song that she puts out. You know, this could lead to something else possibly maybe not maybe her next album this is gonna be the only worship song on it and the rest of it is just gonna be you know regular music uh but you can't discredit the fact that the song is really good it has an awesome message um and it is impactful it is impactful even the video the video is really cool i like the video as well uh that she put out for it uh she's also um uh, the other thing about this whole thing is that she's also bringing aware to lyme disease uh which is something that you know, millions of people have, but isn't really spoken about that much. I don't I can't remember a, a commercial or anything right. in reference to Lyme disease or yeah. people that are struggling or this is what you can do or this is what you can take or this is treatment. Uh, but she does have a foundation um, and she's bringing awareness uh, to the severity of Lyme disease with the song, with the foundation and with everything. So I think it's doing a um, it's killing two birds with one stone. You know, it's speaking about God and, you know, how he brought her through to the other side. But it's also bringing awareness uh, to this disease that, you know, millions of people do suffer with. Yeah. And just the idea that, again, this situation in her life could have brought her to a different place. Yeah. You know, she could have fallen into, you know, depression and maybe she even experienced, you know, yeah. feelings of depression or anxiety and things like that, where, you know, it, it's it's almost natural for those moments of, of great trial and moments where, you know, you're just like questioning God, where are you? It's easy to be, you know, to fall victim of, you know, falling into depression and things like that, where it's like, okay, God, I really need you to help me and keep my head above the water. And again, you know, we, who are we to, you know, um, judge her? Who are we to kind of say you're not allowed to speak on that or yeah. sing about that or express your feelings about God? You know, um, you don't have to listen to it. You don't have to invite her to sing at your church. You know, mm-hmm. uh, she probably won't be singing at your church, you know, um, but it's just an awesome message. And how, I wonder how many people, you know, she impacted through that song who went and maybe this was their prayer and yeah. they went and, you know, picked up a Bible or picked up, you know, more worship music or something. Um, you know, who knows the impact that this has had, but I know that a lot of people um, who struggle with depression or anxiety and things like that can definitely Difficult find moments, period. Yeah. Some refuge in a song like this. One of the lines of her song that I really like, it says, uh, God, keep my head above water. Don't let let me drown. It gets harder. I'll meet you there at the altar as I fall down to my knees. 
I think that's really good. It speaks about her intimacy with God and knowing that, you know, the you know, they're, that's a cool moment where you're able to realize like, God, I need you. And in that moment, you humble yourself before him, you know, and like, Lord, I need you. I'm coming before you. Give me the strength to make it through. I think it's really cool. Yeah. And again, you know, it's a conversation starter. I mean, you know, people I'm sure heard it. They, you know, know Avril Lavigne, know and were, you know, kind of grew up on her music. And now seeing something like this, I'm sure it opened up a lot of conversations for people. And um, I mean, even us on our social media, we um, released a poll. Two polls. um, Two polls. And like we had mentioned last week, we're going to start interacting more and engaging more with Um, our followers on social media. And one of the questions that we have on the poll, you know, that we put up was, do you think the church speaks enough about depression and mental illness? Yeah. And um, we put that poll across our social media platforms. And I mean, for me, the results weren't shocking because I feel like in my opinion, I, I feel that a lot of people think this way that the church does not speak enough about depression and mental illness. And, you know, according to all our polls, about 97% of you said, guys yeah. said no, no. The church does not. That the church does not, you know, speak enough about this. You know, and and it's, it's, I'll start off by saying that at least 90, 97% of the people are aware of it. You know, because I think it would be even more, I would think it would be even more tragic if, if they didn't, if they weren't aware of the fact that there is a problem. And the problem is that there are certain things, for example, mental illness, depression, anxiety, that the church does not speak about, especially in detail. Like, it's one thing to be like, oh, you know, oh, that's a spirit. Shake it off and keep it moving. And it's another thing to actually go in depth to speak about these are signs of depression. This is how you work with someone that has anxiety. This is how you bring somebody through to the other side. Like there is a lot of tips and things that the church can be educated on so that they can help. Because the thing is, is that, you know, the church is in, 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 in some shapes and forms, a hospital. It's a place where people go, where they have needs, whether it be physical, whether it be mental, emotional, spiritual. Um, and God, being the doctor of all doctors, is there to help us with those things. But he also has placed leaders, has placed pastors, has placed us in those places to help people along the way. But how are you going to help someone that's dealing with something and you guys don't even speak about it? You have no idea. You go up to someone and be like, hey, how would you deal with someone that's dealing with depression and anxiety? I will pray for them. Awesome. Thank you for praying for them. Yes, that's a vital part of it. But there's more that needs to be done beyond that. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reason why the church doesn't spend a lot of time talking about this or, you know, just bringing this up is the fact that I think they don't know what to say or how to go about it without just simply saying pray about it. You know, I but that's a problem. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that is why they just rather not talk about it because they don't know how to address it, you know, where it's almost like, okay, besides a conference on, you know, this where I can tell you, you know, pray because depression is not of God. And, you know, don't trust in doctors and, you know, take their, um, you know, the medication they prescribe to you and don't do this. That's not right either. What do you mean? You said that for them to say, don't take the medicine. Don't listen to the doctors. Mm-hmm. 
you think that that's a good no, I'm advice? I'm saying the church. I'm oh. saying that this is the problem. <laughs> I'm I, I'm saying the problem that I think yeah. that this is what the problem is that they're you know saying things like this. That, yes. You know, yeah, okay, okay, okay. In their pl- pl- panels or in their forums, you know, they're saying things like you know. Um, you know, rebuke that. Don't take yeah. the medication. Don't do which this. Don't listen to that, which is wrong. Yeah. You know, and again, I think that, you know, lack of knowledge just kind of creates that whole idea of, you know, well, we don't really know how to navigate through it. So we're just just pray. Yes. You know, we there there miss there lacks that practicality of things where prayer works and prayer is the answer. And we've spoken about this before, but what can I do? What steps can I take yes. in order to get better? And um on Instagram, one of our um you know, followers wrote and they, you know, Joanna Lee 83 says, um, in my experience, the church definitely doesn't handle mental illness very well. I have bipolar and an anxiety disorder that I have struggled with since I was a teenager. And to this day, I've never felt understood or recognized by the church. I think many people are still afraid to talk about it. But unfortunately, I think some Christians still think that it's all spiritual. It took me a long time to not hate myself and to get the proper treatment of medication and therapy. My faith has absolutely helped me, but I would not be where I am without also taking medication. A lot of people are still uncomfortable with the medic- medicine part, but it can make the world of a difference if it's managed correctly. I am so thankful for how far God has brought me, and I'm actually working on a memoir of my experience of faith and mental illness. Yeah. So shout out to you for being bold and sharing that. Um, but there you have it. Someone firsthand that kind of is saying, I have it. I don't think the church is handling it well. And someone who's been, I guess, told not to take the medication and yeah. you know the medicine that's been provided to her. What are your views on that? What do you think, you know, about the whole, you know, getting prescribed medicine and also just the idea of having faith and trust in God and you know that idea that the church sometimes pushes. I think I mean you can't be okay with oh, you know, you have back pain, take some Tylenol, but not be okay with someone being like I'm struggling with depression or anxiety. Um, and not being okay with them taking medication for that. Like, it's the same thing. Like, there's medicine out there that's for us to help us through our processes. And yes, you know, there is a spiritual element to it. Like, I just want to stress that we are very aware and we're not denying the fact that there is a spiritual element to it. But if God gave these doctors the wisdom and the ability to be able to put together these medicines to help you through it. Because that's the other thing. The medicine isn't the cure. The medicine is to help you through those days where you're feeling down, where you're feeling funky, where you're feeling unhappy or whatever it is, to push it through to the other side. So when you pair that with prayer, when you pair that with a group of people around you that are going to help you, that are going to check in on you, that are going to, you know, uh, do you need help? Do you want me to go with you to an appointment? That's what. That's what, That's the part of the church. Yeah. And um, just, you know, the whole idea, like you were saying, that if you pair the whole medication with the spiritual side of things, you'll see a difference. And I think that's something that people need to, you know, put out there even more because we're seeing more and more this whole you know, idea of, you know, depression, you know, causing people to commit suicide or depression, causing people to make just crazy decisions within the church. We're not talking about outside of the church. We're talking in the church. And unfortunately it includes leaders and people of, you know, um, uh, rank in the church where it, you know, gives off a, just a disturbing message to those who are looking 
at the church for help and are looking at the church, you know, to just um, that avenue of hope. They now hear of all of these different types of people taking their life or struggling with these illnesses and diseases because it's not, you know, treated correctly within the church or spoken about. Yes, which is it's 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 very unfortunate. And, you know, we can speak about a lot of other things in which we or I feel, I'm not going to speak for us, I'll say for me, feel that the church drops the ball in a lot on uh, because of that lack of education or the lack of of searching for the education. Because there's one thing to not know. Obviously, you know, you may not know how to deal with an individual that is going through these uh, tough times or dealing with these things, but you take the initiative to be like, I don't know. Let me grab a book. Let me go to a seminar. Let me go, you know, to, you know, one of the social services places and see if they have any training or any pamphlets, you know, you find a way to educate yourself. You go to YouTube, like there, we have so many, um, uh, uh, tools at our disposal at, at, in this day of age that there really isn't an excuse as to why you can't educate yourself on certain things, you know, and unfortunately back, uh, late in August, uh, the, the, the news hit, you know, the social media, the airways about, uh, pastor Andrew, uh, Stokeline, uh, committing suicide, um, and taking his life. He was a pastor of a church. He was married. He had, I think three beautiful boys. Yep. Three kids. Um, and you know, he was actually, uh, he had started, I think two weeks before, uh, he took his life, uh, a series on depression and anxiety and his personal struggle with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was open, you know, with his congregation about his issues, yeah. you know, with depression and anxiety, which I think is very bold for a pastor to do because I feel like most pastors wouldn't want their congregation knowing about their struggles, you know, which I think is very important, you know, for pastors to be transparent and for pastors to really you know, share with their congregations certain things so their congregations can kind of not look at them as like a superhero and a superman. Yeah. They can see, you know what, they're just as flawed and, you know, we're all kind of in this together. And he was open about all of his issues. And, you know, in his sermons, he kind of went through different biblical stories of people who, um, you know, just went through tough times and kind of found themselves in uh, places of depression. You know, he yeah. kind of spoke about Elijah and, you know, um, Elijah kind of running away and running into the cave and all of that. Um, and one of the things that, you know, he mentions in his uh, preaching or in his sermon is that mess is the thing that brings us together. And the idea that, you know, sin makes us all messy. And when we fall short of God's standards, um, you know, sin is when you fall short of God's standards. And even if you don't believe in God, you still for sh- fall short of your own standards. You know, so he kind of just kind of um, kept going on the idea of falling short of yeah. sinning, of feeling like you're not enough. And, um, you know, a lot of people were saying that these sermons that he was preaching was definitely, uh, you know, based on his experience and what he was going through and almost like a cry, you know, for help. But at the same time, you know, he talked about the depression, talked about these things, but also gave hope. You know, I mean, he says God draws near to us because of our mess. You know, like he definitely um, quoted, um, you know, scripture that states, you know, God being there for us and God helping us, you know, in these times. Um, But again, um, one of the, the thing that the article, you know, talks about is why was he crumbling under depression and anxiety? Like there has Mm -hmm. to be, 
you know, something that causes you to fall into this trap and fall into feeling like this. It just doesn't happen overnight. And for this pastor, Pastor Andrew, there were a series of things that, you know, kind of happened that led him to this point. Yeah. You know, in this article, it details um, uh, that he he actually speaks about himself of the things that triggered uh, his breakdown. His family had been plagued uh, by a stalker that caused them to sell their home and move. He had two surgeries to remove a softball sized mass from his chest and pass 60 kidney stones. On top of this, uh, he decided to go to India and Africa for ministry earlier that year, this year, where he experienced several panic attacks while overseas. Then he came home and preached at seven Easter services. When the services and the jet lag were over, uh, Stokeline still had problems. One day, his wife convinced him to go to the hospital while he was experiencing a panic attack, and he and he describes all these things. But before we even go forward, the fact that he was going through all these things, he he was he went on a mission trip to India, to Africa, got back, and immediately preached at seven Easter Day services on seven. the same day. Seven preached, you know, preached seven times on the same day. He's like, did nobody bother? Maybe they did. But I don't know, so I'm going to pose the question. Did nobody bother to be like, hey, pastor, I know you just got back and you're excited to be back in church? Because that, you know, it happens to all of us, especially our pastors. Our pastors love being back in their home church. So if they went away on vacation or if they were away on ministry um, things or whatever, when they come back, they're like, yes, I'm back home. And they're excited and they want if you if they have to preach seven preachings, they'll preach it. But the question is, did nobody bother to check in on him and be like, I know you're excited. Maybe you, you know, maybe you shouldn't do all seven preachings. Maybe do two, you know, do one in the morning, do one in the evening. And then, you know, you let your other deacons and whoever else uh, that's there, you know, associate pastors or whatever, do the preachings for the other days. Like, were they not aware? Because that's the other thing, you know, that poses another question. How um, uh, the word is, oh, it's escaping me. Like, how noticeable was it? That he was struggling. Right. And that's kind of where I was going to, you know, go that direction. The idea that I feel that a lot of times pastors or leaders and Christians in general feel the need to portray that they can handle everything. The idea that, you know, if they have 12 responsibilities within a church or organization, they portray like they can handle all 12 things and be effective, all 12 things and give it 100 percent. And not be tired. And I feel that sometimes, you know, we see that over and over again where people are, you know, they're taking planes and going here, going there. And then, you know, they're flying back and preaching and preaching four services in one day. And then they take another plane that night to be somewhere else in the morning. And, you know, in all of those services, I'm sure that they're smiling. They're happy. They're giving off the impression that, you know, they rested nine hours when in reality inside they're probably super exhausted, fatigued, drained. And just, you know, wondering, okay, when's the next thing? What's the next, you know, thing that's going on? So I feel like when people constantly see you in that space where it's like, wow, and he can handle it. And he does this and he does that. And he's a husband and he's a dad. And look, he's always got a smile on his face. And look, you know, he handles things so well. I think that people lose that sense of, wait a minute, though, like, I, you seem okay. Mm-hmm. But how are you really doing? Yeah, but that's the outside. I think everyone has their inner circle. Everyone has a group of people that are more closer to them 
than the others are. You know, and this reminds me last year, our pastor, he uh, messed up his back. He threw his back out, um, and which is something that, you know, unfortunately comes on and off again mm-hmm. or whatever. And I remember I was having a conversation with him. We were at a Christmas party for the church. We were, you know, we had sneaked off to do uh, get some things ready because we do uh, certain activities uh, during the Christmas party. And I was talking to him and I was having a conversation with him about his back and about whether or not Maybe you need to take a break. Like I was able to have that conversation with him. So I think that there are people that should be close enough to real, like at least have the conversation of maybe you need to take it a little easier. Right. Maybe because obviously maybe not the whole congregation is going to notice because you do kind of have to put up a front when you're in the front. No pun intended, you know, because you're not going to go up there and be like, God bless everyone. I'm so tired and I don't want to be here. Like, you're not going to do that. Like, you're going to put up a front. You can be tired and you maybe don't even want to be there, but that's not what you would do. You would go up, you'd be cheery, you'd be animated, you know, you deliver the message because you know that you have a job to do. But there has to be a group of people, whether it's, you know, the team, the officials, the deacons, the, you know, some some pastors have an entourage, his entourage or whatever, that should, if and not specifically with this, or uh, in general, should be able to hone in on when the pastor or the leader, whoever, there's something off about it. There's something off. And that's the importance of having that inner circle. You know yeah. what I mean? Which I feel that maybe a lot of people may not have. Or if they do have that inner circle, it's almost like you have to question, okay, are they really here for me? Do they really care for me? Or do they care what I bring, you know, and what Mm -hmm. I'm doing? So it's important that if you have, you know, those friends around you, that they do keep you in check and that they do help you and make check up on you and make sure you are okay. And if you feel like they're not really doing that and they're kind of just, you know, taking advantage of that, you have to definitely, you know, reevaluate that whole you know, group of people that you're around. I think, you know, that proves a really good point. The idea that, you know, you can't do this on your own. You need a team of people around you and you have to be very selective in choosing that team. Yeah. And if, and I I would even go as far as saying that maybe you're just a random member of the church who isn't, and, and it's not that, you know, there's inner, there's an inner circle and then there's the outer circle, but you know, maybe you're someone that doesn't, you know, uh, have that closer relationship with your pastor or your leader, but does notice that something may be up, say something about it. It doesn't matter if your best buddies, it doesn't matter if you go to coffees with them every Wednesday or if you don't, if you've never gone to coffee with them on Wednesday. But if you see, it's like, you know, how we say here in New York, if you see something, say something. Bring it to someone's attention. Maybe you don't want to speak to him directly, so you speak to his wife or to the, the if it's a woman, you speak to her husband and be like, hey, I noticed that, you know, uh, fulano de tal, you know, is everything okay? I noticed that their energy is a little lower. Just know that if they need anyone, I'm here for them. If they, if you know, if, if they're going through something, you know, you 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 extend the olive branch in hopes that if there is something happening, they're willing to take it. Yeah, and that poses the question: How can the church community help those with depression? Yeah, how can we help those people? You know, in this case, it was Pastor Andrew Stokelein who you know took his life because of this depression, and you know he left behind a fa- um, a family, a wife, three kids. You know, but this may not be a pastor. You know, yeah. in your church that's struggling with this, it may not be your leader. It may be a friend yeah. or someone in the church that's just quiet and kind of isolated. So, how can the church kind of be there for those people? And it, I think that, you know, one of the things you said, you hit it right in the head where it's like you just be there for them, you know, but 
again, in practical ways Mm -hmm. where it's not just, you know, I'm here for you, but it's more like, what can I do a physical action to let you know that I'm here? Yeah. Maybe. No, no, I was going to say was that also, excuse me. Also don't take for granted the um, opportunity that is given to you when someone actually opens up and says, I'm going through something. Cause that's the worst thing you can do because maybe this person is going on a limb Maybe, you know, everyone that they've reached out to have has kind of not taken them serious. You reach out to them. They're like, God, you know, I'm going to try one more time. See if, you know, somebody can help me through this. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'll pray for you. And you walk away. Like, you never check up on them. You never text them. You don't follow. Like, there's a follow-up process that has to go. Right. Like, once you know something is happening, you have the obligation, the responsibility to be an active participant in trying to get this person better. Yeah, that could be texting them, texting them Bible verses, songs, you know, helping them through that process. That can be, you know what, cooking a meal for them. Yes. Maybe at the end of the day, they don't want to cook and they don't want, you know, and they that's why they probably are not eating that night. And that in turn has its own effects on them. You know, maybe that's preparing a meal and cooking for them. You know, maybe that's picking them up one day and, you know, taking them out for lunch. Yeah. Or, you know what, if it's, you know, they're it's a family or whatever, and there's something that you can do and help, you know, take the kids to a certain practice or a certain soccer game or something that their kids are involved in and you can be there and kind of help them and extend that help you know do it yeah there's some there's certain moms that deal with postpartum depression and sometimes the easiest thing like hey i'll babysit for you tonight you know go catch a movie with your husband or you know why don't you go to the nail salon get your nails done get your hair done like even little things like that like maybe they need a break they need a moment to themselves they can feel good do something nice um and they go out and do it like there's a lot of little things like you don't need a phd in psychology you don't need you know to go to medical school and figure out prescriptions and stuff that there's things that we can do on our level of abilities and understanding that goes a long way in helping these people helping anyone that may be going through stuff and then there's some people where it's clinical where they have clinical depression and it's something chemical and they're going through stuff and then there's certain people that is just for a moment like you know maybe they went through a breakup you know maybe they lost their job maybe you know there was a death in the family maybe you know there's certain things that happen and it's just a temporary seasonal thing where at this moment they're going through this uh this uh cloud that's over them and help them through and then there's other people where it's a little bit more long term Yeah. And I think that most people, you know, in the church that struggle with depression or these feelings, they know the answers. Yeah. They know they should pray. Yeah. They know God is there. They know, you know, what the worship song says. They know what Ocean says, Mm -hmm. you know, like they know all of that. And it's like they, yes, need the reminder. They need that follow up. They need that, you know. Um, you know, keep praying, keep this, you know, keep coming and all of that. Yes, they do need that. But again, they need that practicality side of things, you know, and it's crazy because um, this week I I'm going for my master's degree and I'm taking a class, a theology class. And uh, this week, one of the topics, you know, is the study of Christ and kind of talking about how Christ, when he was on earth, he was fully God and fully man and what that looks like. And it's crazy because, you know, in the breakdown of it all, they were kind of talking about how Jesus, you know, since he was fully man, he was fully tempted. He Mm -hmm. was fully, he fully went through, 
you know, all of the emotions and feelings and weaknesses that we go through. Yes. And, you know, even the Bible, Hebrews 4.15, you know, that says we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You know, so at the end of the day, just with that alone, we have to kind of remind those people who are experiencing these things. Man, you serve a God that is not a stranger to these feelings and emotions. Yeah. A God that is able to empathize with you. A God that is able to connect with you on that level to the point that... I'm sure he felt those emotions and mm -hmm. he felt that way and he felt that anxiety. You know, obviously he did all of that without sinning, which is that part that we will never understand and fully yeah. grasp how he went through all these emotions and temptations and never sinned once, you know, but the fact that you can go to someone that fully understands, you know, sometimes it's hard. I find it difficult when I encounter people who go through hard times or are going through a rough moment where it's something I can't really relate to. Yeah. You know, you find it difficult to really, you know, you can't say, I know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. You can't really say like, I know it's hard because I really don't. Yeah. You know, so it's almost like, what do you say in those moments? And it's almost like, I, after you do all those practical things and all of that, it's like taking the time to remind them, yeah. listen, I may not have the right words. You know, people in this church may not have the right words. The pastor may not have the right words to tell you, but don't forget that the God you serve is able, you know, to empathize with your weakness and he gets it yeah. above all. He gets it, you know, and it's almost just like that little reminder, you know, to let them know, like, listen, you know, I know you're searching for an answer. I know you're searching for the right words and to hear the right things. But remember that there's a God that completely gets it. Yeah, 100 percent. And, you know, and I think that's that's the awesomeness about this walk where there's that hope that there's that understanding that there's that lifeline of, you know, it, it is difficult. And especially when you get into that negative space in your head, you know, I think when it comes to dealing with people that are dealing with depression and anxiety and feeling down and all of that, one of the things that I find the most difficult is, is that when that person gets into that headspace of feeling down and feeling in a funk or, you know, going through their emotions, it's hard to pull them out of it because it's something that's not physical. It's not like you can physically grab them and pull them out of that dark space. No, that's something that's in their head. So you try your best, whether it is with uh, distractions or going out or going to eat or just being there, you know, sitting down and watching a movie with them and just being there. Like sometimes those are the little things that helps them through it. But the, the big thing about this is that you have to be patient. Like this mm -hmm. isn't something that, you know, you tell them, OK, shake it off. And, you know, I, I, I do definitely agree with what you're saying, but I do think that sometimes it is necessary to like grab someone oh, yes. and be like, we're going to go run, yes. you know, and it's yes. proven to, you know, all of those things do work where it's like your heart rate is going and all that. I know people that go to the gym every day and they don't go to the gym because they want to get in shape. It's because if not, they fall into that depression. Yes. yes and, yes, yes. you know, I mean, I had an, saw, seen an Instagram post a while ago and it said that as soon as you feel that depression kicking in, move, literally move, go outside and run around, dance, exercise, move your arms all weird like a jellyfish. I don't care how you do it, but move and get your heart rate going and your body moving. Absolutely. ASAP. Yes. And, you know, it's not just limited to that. Like, it's not like, oh, you feel depression, all right, go do 15 jumping jacks. It's not just that. But just the idea that sometimes you may have to shake it off before those feelings of depression just kind of grow those roots. And I think that sometimes, you know, I don't know, it could have been the case for this pastor, Pastor Andrew, that 
maybe those feelings of depression, you know, he kept suppressing them and suppressed those feelings and suppressed those thoughts. And, you know, and he stood busy working, busy preaching, busy traveling and doing these things that eventually, you know, those those feelings of depression grew roots yeah. and stood stuck to him. You know, and it's almost like, you know, you have, uh, you know, food in a plate and, you know, you put it in the sink to, you know, wash the dishes. If you don't kind of get the food out right away, it stays stuck and it becomes harder, you know, to clean. And it's almost like the minute we let these things kind of stay in our lives and, you know, we kind of like swim in it for a little bit and just kind of dwell in it and just let it marinate there. I believe the worse it is later on to go back and deal with it and try to, you know, take out those roots that you know, depression has grown in our lives. Thank you for joining us in part one of You Don't Have to Drown. Join us next week as we continue this conversation on the church, depression, anxiety, and all those feelings and how the church is supposed to deal with them. Yeah, again, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast. We would love to hear from you. You can follow us at all our social media pages. We're on Instagram at God Life Culture Podcast. We're on Facebook. Um, you can like our Facebook page at God Life Culture. We'll be sharing exclusive content on there that won't be anywhere else. And um, we just want to thank you again for choosing to listen to us. Um, you can send us a message, uh, uh, comment, uh, anything you would like us to speak about at our email at God Life Culture at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you so be sure to tune in next week for the second part of this episode yeah and if you're someone that is going through a situation at this moment right now don't wait to next week to reach out to someone reach out to someone now speak to someone now and then maybe the two of you or the group of you guys can listen to our episode next week and see how we conclude uh this discussion so we want to thank you all for tuning in to this new episode of god life culture that's god, god life, life culture. culture until next time see ya bye